Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Peters everywhere. Actor Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right. Gentlemen, start your engine. Good morning, Steeler Nation, and welcome inside of the locker room here on a bye week Friday. Wesley Euler with you solo here today playing DJ as we will do a little best of bye week edition here on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Max and Wolf both out today. It's a bye week Friday. So I'm going to play a little DJ action for you here on the show today. We'll play some of the uh, the best moments of the show from this past week, some of our favorite interviews, some of our favorite guests, right, all those good things that you hear regularly here inside the locker room. So we will get that rolling today without further ado with the king. The king. Oh, ho, 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 ho. Rob King, of course, uh, host of the Steelers postgame show now with Charlie Batch. You hear him on DVE in the uh, mornings on Mondays on the show with us every single Monday. Uh, point after show. He's involved with a, with a lot of things that we got going on. Here's Rob King with the guys earlier in the week. Well, we are back inside the locker room. We are joined by the one, the only, Rob King. You can hear him on WDVE. And, of course, you can hear him here on iHeart and Steelers Nation Radio. Kinger, um, I would say that there was a Watt overload at the stadium yesterday. (laughs) And I would say it in the literal and physical sense because... We had a TJ Watt on the field, and then we had a wattage issue in the booth after the game. So you got to experience both of those things. How are you this morning, my friend? It was interesting. <laughs> yeah, it was a sort of, um, you know, what, what are they, uh, what's the line they always say? Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play, right? This is kind of the reverse <laughs> yeah. of that. You know, we won but uh, sort of thing on the postgame show. A lot of butts uh, thrown in there. Um, but listen, hey, they won. Um, the crowd was phenomenal, absolutely oh. phenomenal. Um, I thought they played a role in the fourth quarter. Now, uh, Killebrew blocks the punt. I think that stoked the crowd. Wait a, a minute. Back after, up. After Renegade. Yes. <laughs> Renegade, Thank you. Renegade got played, and then a punt got blocked, and all kinds of crazy stuff started happening. What was that quote you had about Ron Burgundy, Max? <laughs> what was that? Thing? Oh, yeah. 
60% of the time, it works all the time. <laughs> that, that is Sex so Panther. renegade. Yeah. <laughs> no, that is. You're right. That's exactly right. You know, there, there are a lot of things. I, the one thing that I, I keep going back to, and I, I just want to point this out, um, because so many things happened at the end of the game oh. that I, I, there was one play that I thought should not be overlooked, and that was Larry Ogunjobi's hustling strip sack. I mean, if you're a Steelers fan, Max and Wolf watching that game, and you have some issues with your team, you just got blown out by a Houston team that you expected to blow out, and you come in and you're facing a Ravens team that's you know moving the ball better under Todd Monk and the new offensive coordinator. Uh, we know they're one of the better defensive teams in the league, and they come out and start doing what they did. You're thinking, man, are they going to get are the Steelers going to get blown out of Acrisure <clears throat> Stadium? And that Ogan Joby hustling play that caused the turnover to me was the turning point of the first half of that game. Um, and it could have been, listen, they dropped two touchdowns in the first half. Right. There was the mystifying – I don't know what in the world the Ravens were doing at the end of the first half. Right, the gimme. No idea what they were doing on fourth down there. No idea what they hoped to accomplish with that. Okay, maybe you get a first down, and now you have the ball at what? The 18-yard line with 14 seconds left? I, I don't – and that didn't make any sense to me at all. So all, with all those things that transpired, and the Steelers made a great adjustment, some great adjustments defensively in the second half. But I just thought that Larry Joby circled start. I just thought that was a huge play. And, of course, Casey has to recover the fumble. But, you know, just hustling down the field, coming up with a big play. I thought that was a, a huge, huge play in the game. You know, it's funny, Max. You were talking about the timing of the throw, how it was kind of – you know, hustled up a little bit. It wasn't the exact timing of a good screen. You know, Chuck Noll always used to say, you got to be a good actor. All right, you know, everybody, all right, act. Act like you're getting beat on the pass rush. Wolfley, you just had to do it your normal job. <laughs> <laughs> right? but, but the point being is it's about, you know, you've got to encourage those guys to get those beefaloes beyond you. And then you go down and you got the screen. Well, Larry wasn't fooled. You know, whatever it was, he he could tell right away, and, and possibly, as Max talked about, he, he caught on to the fact that uh, Lamar Jackson was h- rushing a little bit and didn't give enough time to get the spacing necessary. But, wow, did he motor after Justice Hill. And I got to tell you, Justice Hill should be thankful he fumbled because if that punch, that high karate El Kabong, had it landed midsection, he he would still be down. That's, that's what we're saying over on DV. Oh, really? Yeah, because T.J. Watt uh, – uh, who was that he punched in the chest? I can't remember. <laughs> Going for a strip oh. sack. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Zay Flowers? Was it Zay Flowers? Yeah, I think it was oh, Zay Flowers. Okay. He punched yeah. him. In, yeah. So the aggressive going for the football. And I'm like, can you punch a guy in the chest <laughs> even if you're going for the football? Uh, but, uh, yeah, if Larry Ogunjobi had missed and hit Justice Hill, oh. uh, right, they, they, we might still be waiting for the fourth quarter to be played at <laughs> Akersher Stadium. Well, no doubt. And that, yeah, and that was one of the things, Rod, that was crazy was the lack – you know, listen, I, I'm all for letting guys play, but the lack of penalties in the game on, like, obvious egregious penalties, I mean, a number of holding calls, that P.I. in the end zone mm-hmm. to Pickens, I'm just like, man, I, I – I don't know what a penalty is anymore, oh, apparently. Man. I do wonder. Uh, the the, yeah, only, the only thing I'll say about that one, Max, and I and I asked this of, of Charlie in the postgame show last night, was is that maybe an instance where an Allen Robinson pulls a Pickens aside or maybe a Deontay Johnson and says, hey, you've just got to sell this a little better. I mean, Arthur Millette 
It was clearly pass interference, oh, right? Man. And I, I, listen, I'm not one of these guys to say that. I, I mean, you know, if, it, if I don't think it's pass interference, I'll tell you. I don't, but that he he ran right through him. He never turned his head around. It's like classic pass interference. But you, you wondered, does Pickens need to just maybe plant his feet there, wave his arms around a little bit, sell that a little bit more so that the official has no choice but to – I mean, he should have thrown the flag, but if you kind of gesticulate a little bit and wave your arms around – I'm waving my arms around here. I'm, I'm on radio, Max, and I'm waving my arms yeah, around. Yeah, okay, there it is. <laughs> yeah. Arm wave, so, yeah, arm wave initiated everybody that's, out that's, there. That's, that's Just, great radio right there. Um, uh, but, yes. <laughs> but um, you know, does he maybe try to sell that a little bit more? Maybe that's something a, a veteran receiver – um, would would sell, and maybe that's something he'll sell down the line. It should have clearly been an interference call. Well, can I say this? He clearly was the definition of face guarding because oh Malek put his right hand right through the yeah. the bottom of the face mask to the top, and you know it was like a face wash in hockey. Right. You know what I mean? It was just crazy. Just jerked his head back, and I, I was sitting there going, "That's the definition of face guarding." You know what I mean? Yeah. There's no other. I don't know. And that's when you kind of like go, okay, what are we watching here? Right. Yeah, but it did not hurt them in the end. Could have, but you know the Ravens also did enough um, self-inflicted yeah. injury to to yeah. to make up for our lack of calls. Uh, another thing, right? I mean, think about how many different receivers dropped key passes, Rob, oh. in this game. There was, what, seven drop passes? Seven drop. Seven total drops yeah. off of hands. And then when you wow. think about, you know, you never know a play that's going to keep a drive alive or what have you, um, but I think you have a pretty good understanding. So, listen, you know, play might keep a drive alive, and the next, you know, the next play might be a fumble that's returned for a touch. You don't know. But when balls are dropped in the end zone or when short touchdowns are dropped, that's when you know points are coming off the board. So, you know, I was thinking about this, right? So the, you're up 7 nothing. Um, now Lamar zings one a little too hot to handle for Mark uh, Mark Andrews. I, I wonder if Andrews maybe thought he should have had that one. But Rashad Bateman, I mean, softly oh, thrown from 10 oh. yards away right in his hands. He drops it in the end zone. So instead of 14, it's 10. So let's just say you have 14 there. Um, you know, you kick a field goal at the end of the first half instead of doing that mystifying whatever that was. Now you you have 17, and then Lamar threw a perfect ball, very reminiscent of the ball that Pickett threw to Pickens at the end of the game. Caught Aguilar in stride. He was a couple yards clear of, I believe it was Joey Porter Jr. in trail coverage. And that's a no-doubt touchdown. There's nobody there. And now, now you're looking at 24 points. You're looking at the, the Ravens should have at least had 24 points without any sort of, you know, hey, we could have done this, could have done that. Just drop balls and mistakes. You know what the difference is? There was Mojination, baby. Mojination. That's what was going on in the stadium. That stadium was rocking yesterday, and the people of Pittsburgh came out. The Steelers fans, Steelers Nation came out and rocked the house. I got to tell you, I mean, think about it. You got four sacks, and one was uh, taken back from a penalty. Alex Highsmith, he had a sack that yeah, there right. was a penalty on, right? Yep. I mean, that would have been five. I, that's like 16 or 7. No, no, no. That's like 21 now in, in five or six games. I thought he was really good. Again, Highsmith. I mean, Highsmith oh, only, only has two sacks on the season. But, boy, he just seems like he's been way more disruptive than that to me. I think his presence has been felt more than the statistics. And the other thing is, we have to say it here, T.J. Watt's kind of greedy. Right? <laughs> you know? He just wants he just yeah. wants all the sacks for himself. <laughs> I mean, he's he's... Wow, man. I mean, holy mackerel. Eight sacks. Um, and, you know, at the end of the game, finishing the game that way, what a 
great, great player. You know, I, I'm I'm almost. I almost feel like I'm guilty of, like, uh, you know, doing Penguin stuff. You know, Sidney Crosby comes up with a great play. Okay, yeah, but who else did something? We know he's going to be great, right? (laughs) We know T.J. Watt's going to be great, but, I mean, he was great again yesterday. Unbelievably so, Max. I got to tell you, you know what? We were talking about it last night when I'd taken Max to the airport last night, right? So we're commiserating over all this stuff. You know, and you you just you look at a guy who – just keeps showing up in the biggest of moments defensively speaking i mean it's it's one thing offensively you know you're the quarterback you're a wide receiver a running back but for a guy that's rushing the pass or doing things and max you, you expound on this a little bit the sense of big stage big moments and him coming through that's just ginormous what tj watt is all about no, he, he 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 is he is built for these moments he he's built for prime time he's built for prime occasions i mean the dude just comes through like you said i mean at at this point in the year to think he's had multi-sack performances already this season and we've played a majority of our games in akershire stadium and this 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 young man has set the steelers record and is continuing to reset the record every time he steps on the field now and he's done it a major, majorly, I want to say 57, I believe, or 50, like 56 and a half, something like that. 56 and a half or 57 of his 85 now sacks have come at home. Right. And he he now has seven and a half sacks against Lamar Jackson alone <laughs> in three games. Yeah, that's like crazy. That 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 that's a that's a wild yeah. statistics. That that's a crazier statistic than Jerome Bettis having five ha, having having five carries for one yard and three touchdowns. That, that that's how crazy <laughs> this is. It's right there with that crazy stat. Um, and he and it's just it, it, it's phenomenal how he just he's built for these moments. And my God, I am so happy everybody else skipped over him in the draft because they didn't think he was going to be like JJ. Well, I'll say this: He's better than JJ, and I'm I'm, I'm glad yeah. another another Bucky Badger is on is on the black and gold roster. <laughs> you know the thing the thing about it: He came into that game with a personal eight game sack streak against the Ravens. It's now nine. He's got at least a sack, and in nine straight battles with the with the Ravens, unbelievable. He's a Raven killer. He's phenomenal. Raven Slayer. One other thing I also thought, um, you know the the. Uh, the inside linebacker play, um, they've mm. had a couple of tough matchups. Uh, you know, San Francisco's a tough matchup. Right. They got Kittle and they got McCaffrey. I thought Houston was a tough matchup for him, but I thought in this game they were they were a massive difference, especially in the second half. I mean, you know, the, the Ravens in the first half out-yardaged the Steelers. I let the yardage. I, I think I turned that into a verb. I yarded you. Yeah. Ver- yeah, you yarded. It he, made she, perfect sense to me. <laughs> you yarded. I yard. We yard. I will yeah, yardage. Uh, every, you will yardage. Everybody yardage. Sure. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, 244 to 88 in the first half. That's 244 is way too many, and 88 is way too few. Yeah. And then in the second half, you know, look, we looked at the offense, and, and the offense has been under a microscope, obviously, the whole season. But the defense – you know, they've been relying on those big plays. And, yes, they made big plays, but they also held the Ravens to 81 yards. And I thought a big reason for that was the play of the middle linebackers. I thought Holcomb 
Roberts and Quan Alexander were all terrific. They combined for 23 uh, tackles. They had four tackles for losses, three by Quan, uh, you know, one by Holcomb. I, I just thought I thought they were excellent. Roberts had that sequence on a second and ten. They they throw a pass. He makes a stop uh, to to turn it into third and three. And then again they try to slip. I think it was Justice Hill out, and Roberts makes the tackle there and forces him to punt. I thought the I thought the play of the inside linebackers. I think this was their best game. No question in my mind, Max. What say you? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I mean, you know, it was like after about one and a half quarters where it just looked very sloppy and looked like they they weren't communicating and they looked kind of confused out there. It's almost like <clears throat> somebody snapped their fingers and they're like, "Oh, I'm no longer hypnotized by by the Lamar Jackson wonderment." It's like, he's just a guy, he can get tackled, he can get hit in the face, and he bleeds. So, all right, there's no, there's nothing mystical about this guy. And once they started with the spying of him, that's and it. carrying somebody, that's what and they did hitting, in the second half. And, and at those t- t- double option points, where you're at, the, you're at that mesh point where he can either pitch it or keep it, you're saying, nope, I don't care what number eight does, my job is to hit him. Yep. The other guy's job is to stick to the running back that may or may not get this pitch and hit him. That is just what we do. In fact, it was it was so crazy one time. Remember when TJ blew up field and, and he hit Justice Hill and Lamar yeah. still had the catch? And we actually called a tackle by yes. TJ Watt yeah, on right. Justice Hill. Yeah. Nobody in the stadium had any clue right. <laughs> except for Cole Holcomb who made the play. Right. <laughs> Exactly so. And, you know, we talked about that. And especially when you run the option, the attack in the mesh point, making one guy have to have to put a hit on Lamar. Another guy's got to get the back. And you and when you don't have it, that's what happened when I, I, I that one, uh, they ran an option weak side. And that, was it? Yeah. Was safety the Justice Hill touchdown. Yeah. yeah. Justice Hill the, touchdown play. When Desmond King didn't didn't fill, didn't fill Cole yeah. went up the field. That's it. And was and was going to him, and nobody had the running back, which was which was supposed to be the safety fill in that moment. Yeah, yeah. We're like, oh my god, and th- that was that was the touchdown. And then you come back, and like, no, now it's a tackle for loss or tackle for zero gain um, when that happened. So you saw that now everybody stepped up and answered the call in those moments. Um, and that was what we saw from the linebacker court. They made adjustments at the right time, and then you saw it fulfilled what they were trying to do game plan wise. Yeah, and I think you have to credit the coaching there, don't you? I mean, you know, the, the, yes. so for making an in-game adjustment to say oh, this yeah. is what we got to do because it didn't look like you know the the Steelers were going to be able to stop the Ravens at all in that first half. The Ravens stopped themselves, and okay, yeah, in the second half that should have been an Al- Aguilar touchdown, but. Um, other than that, I thought the Steelers' defense, the adjustments they made, I just mentioned the yardage. I mean, they held them to 91 yards in this 91 yards in the second half. And only, I think, what, 25 yeah. yards rushing? Right. Out of that 90. They had like 100 early on in the game, and they only had 25 the rest of the way. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and you know, and it yeah. was significant also. How do you put into context Jalen Warren's contributions down the stretch? Good heavens, man. Yeah, three consecutive plays um, that that he got the ball and and provided a huge spark for the team. Yeah, um, yeah, and you know it's it's funny when you look at the offense, you see some of the elements, right? We saw Najee. We've seen Najee be a powerful, brutish running back, like he was against Houston. Right. 
we have seen Jalen Warren provide the spark. We saw the six-play drive against uh, Vegas. We right. saw the drive at the end of the game yesterday. We're seeing the elements, right? Um, but so far, it feels a little bit like the offense, you know, what, what is the old expression? Uh, more than the sum of its parts. Something is more than the sum of its It feels like it's uh, less than the sum of its parts. Like, like we got a puzzle piece, and we're like, hmm, looks like there's like six pieces Wait, missing. That was what Chuck always used to talk about. Now you get, you put it in my brain, and I can't figure it out now. What was that? The, oh. the whole is more than the sum yeah, of its parts. Um, oh, synergy. Yes. The synergy. Synergy. Yes. yes. The synergy. sum of the whole yes. is greater than the individual part. I don't know. Tuncho always said I always got it backwards. I, I think <laughs> when you when I look at this team, guys, and I see, you know, what the defense did there, it's still it it's a little bit of a difficult team for me to evaluate because we've seen, you know, we've seen the defense make big plays, and that's really won them a couple of games. I mean, let's let's be fair here. It won them the Cleveland game. And it went a long way, that and the block punt by Killebrew, toward winning this game. And yet we also saw San Francisco, who looked, by the way, incredible last night against Dallas. Oh, my gosh. They oh, looked man. like a buzzsaw, yeah, man. They it was like, ridiculous. You know, yeah, you don't, well, you, don't, you don't want to play them right now. But even Houston, what Houston did, um, you know, it's, it's hard to – it is hard to, I think, rely constantly on the turnover and the big play in order to turn a game, win a game, do those things. It's it's nice to just get some kind of ho-hum three and outs. By the same token, the offense hasn't been able to help them enough. You look at the first half of San Francisco, you run 15 plays. I mean, they script 15 plays. They're, they've barely got the script in in the first half. So, you know, I, I think as I, we go into this bye week, my tendency is to think, guys, that the defense just – you know, to be elite, maybe just needs a little more out of the offense. Like, let's get you. I mean, you're you know, exactly right. You, you, you give up a you give up a drive. Okay, you come off and you're and you're tired and you you know you haven't even pulled the towel out and gotten a squirt of water in your mouth and you're back out on on defense again. You know, and, and there's no no time to adjust. No time for the coaches to make adjustment. No time for the players to to rest up. Um, I, I think that's the biggest thing. And this these elements that we're talking about offensively, they need to find a way to unlock this to to make it. Um, more consistent to obviously help you score more points, but also to help out the defense. Yeah, I got to jump in, Max, because I got to tell this one quick story. The 1984 AFC Championship game, we're playing down in Miami against the great Danny Marino and everything. We're scoring on 15, 16 play drives, running the ball on third and 11 and everything else, still getting first downs. Danny Marino comes back in three plays. (laughs) Boom, boom, boom. Touchdown! He was super Mark Clayton and you know uh, super duper whatever. Right. All these guys, right? And Mike Webster comes over the sidelines. It's like 85, 90 degrees, right? He comes over. He's got a Gatorade. He walks to the sidelines and he yells at the defense. He goes, "Defense, can you just slow him down a little bit so I can get him a stupid Gatorade?" <laughs> <laughs> and that's what the defense is probably saying to the offense now. Can yeah. you just hang on to it a little bit longer? They just need, they need to help them out a little bit. Right? Yes. They need to help them out. No doubt about it. Yeah. And, and, and I think when you look at it, I mean, you have to you have to say, okay, one side is picking up the other one, but you have to think the balance is eventually going to come back around like it did last year right after the bye. You saw – this offense kind of pick it up. Now, granted, we were literally at the midway point of a season last year. This was a little bit earlier than last year's bye. But um, I look at it and I say, okay, guys, I mean, 
you get this extra week. We now have tape. We now know what we need to do. And it's always easier to look at with a critical eye after victory than after defeat. But you have you have you have to take that reality dose. I know we're excited and you get 24 hours to celebrate or sulk after a game. But exactly. You've got to get you've got to get you've got to get better from this. What we we have a higher expectation. It's like, yes, we put a band-aid on a, a, a deeper wound that, that, that's necessary, but it's easier to look at it after it's kind of healed a little bit and figure out what you really need to do. I think that's what this team really has to look at. We can't be so splashy. I would love to be splashy and then be dominating as well because the offense is clicking on all cylinders. And now when the defense adds these splash plays, they're, they're, it becomes a snowball, right? Going downhill. It becomes an onslaught for teams as opposed to the pressure relief valve. But I'm 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 appreciative of it. I'm not gonna look take it for granted. But how we got to two and in first place in this AFC North, it was a heck of a job by the defense in both of those games. You know, I'll say this, uh it's like I said the other day. You know, the difference between three and two and two and three is only one game, but it's like my dad used to say. You know, the difference between a kick in the butt and a pat on the back is only about 18 inches. But, yeah. wow, what a difference, right? <laughs> that, is, that is so true. And, you know, I was thinking about this last night doing the postgame show with Charlie, that over their last 14 games, the Steelers are 10-4. and four. That's an elite record, right? That's, mm. that's, a rec- that's a record of an elite team. And yet, I think it's pretty evident, you know, when you have – uh, so, so it's evident that you can beat teams, right? But it's also evident that there remains a gap, I think, between themselves and, I mean, a Houston team beats you 30-6. to six, But, the, you know, the 49ers, the teams, the stated goal of the Steelers is to get into the playoffs and compete for a Super Bowl. You know, we saw a blowout loss to Philadelphia. Uh, we've seen, you know, a lopsided loss to Buffalo. We've seen these elite teams kind of have their way. And I think what we need to see, and I think the expectation – Max and Wolf, after you go seven and two last year, was that you were going to come out, build on that, and as this season went on, get closer and closer, so that by the time the playoffs rolled around, you're you know you can you're going to go toe to toe with Buffalo in the middle of the ring, or Kansas City in the middle of the ring, uh, or Miami, uh, who they obviously played a good game against last year, but those elite teams, Cincinnati, when they're rolling, the teams that can put up big points, we have evolved to the point over the last season and a half where. We know the defense is good. We've evolved offensively. Let's go play, and let's see who's better. But I just think that the, the worry among Steelers fans is that, yes, you're 10-4 and four over these last 14 uh, games, but the 3-2 and two this year hasn't felt like a progression from the 7-2 and two last year. And I think this is where this buy comes in handy. Let's get healthier. Um, let's figure out a couple things. Let's do some self-scouting, and let's see if we can unlock – these elements that are going back to that, we've seen a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Now, how do you get this on a more consistent basis? Well, and also, I mean, you're going to see another team that potentially when we're talking about those playoff teams, Jacksonville, right after the bye. You're, I'm sorry, you know, about two weeks after the bye because we go to L.A. first for the Rams. But, I mean, Jacksonville was a team that puts up a lot of points um, a year ago and had had electrifying playoff victory and they're looking like they're back on top of it after their their London vacation you know across <laughs> the pond uh, going 2 and 0 and I mean and beating buffalo that team yeah. we were talking about so you know the steelers can't take off and think that okay 
this second half is going to be a lull. I think that's what kind of people were like, oh, well, the, the second half of the schedule wasn't as good as the first half of the schedule, and that's why they got to 7-2. and two. It's like, no, that's not, that's not the case now. And these are hard-fought victories. So how do we become more efficient? How do we learn from each game? And how do we carry those things over? Because you can't have that trap game like Houston happen again. You had you have to have learned you have to learn from your mistakes. And I think that's what's going to be really the big test coming out of this bye is very soon you're going to get an opportunity to prove if you learned, you know, from the first five games of the season. Yeah, and I think the Rams are going to be a test at LA. I mean, they're they're a team that can they're a team that can put up some points. And I agree with you, Max, that you know, uh that's that's really what this is going to be all about. How can you put this together and get back because look, after the the seven and two finish last year. You know, okay, so now we have to open things up a little bit. And, again, that doesn't come without growing pains, right? Um, you know, I've mentioned this before. You know, Ben Roethlisberger's third year in the league, and this is an this is a first ballot Hall of Famer. This is a phenomenal football player. He led the league in interceptions. Now, is that all on Ben? No, of course not. But when you, when you begin to open things up, it's not always, you know, a linear equation. You don't you don't always go from the bottom left of the graph to the top right of the graph. It's not just it's not just a straight line sometimes. But we do need to see over these next couple of weeks, you hope Deontay Johnson gets healthy. Maybe Cam Hayward's not too far behind. Uh, you get, you know, Harvin back as your kicker. Um, you begin to get healthier, maybe back on the offensive line again. And but this this team, I still think um, that, yes, you beat the teams in front of you. You've proven you can. You can compete with those teams that are maybe, um, you know, from the midway point to the to the 80th percentile in the league. But it's that 20th percentile that those top upper echelon teams, and that's the Steelers' stated goal. We want to compete for a Super Bowl. Those are the teams you need to begin to ascend to, and I think mostly it's offensively. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's a best of bye week edition of the Locker Room today. Some of the conversations that we've had with some of our favorite people over the past week. Jerry Dulac up next. The conversation that Max and I had with the Cool Breeze earlier this week. All right. We are joined by the one, the only, Jerry Dulac, and the cool breeze has now blown in for us, and Jerry is presented to us, hold on, I just lost it, <laughs> of course, I, of course I would lose the live read at this moment, right, you know. Uh, it is. I believe. I believe. I believe. I have it here. And Jerry, you can correct me if I'm Thank wrong. You. But this is the one that uh, that our buddy, the Cool Breeze, sent me uh, back at the beginning of the season. Brookline Pub and Pizza in Brookline, two fifty Bud Light, sixteen ounce drafts during all Steelers games. There we go. There we go. And the, I will. I will say, for, for, Jerry, for full journal integrity, I did switch to the new iPhone. And all of my text messages are still loading that are older than like a week old. So, <laughs> so I do apologize about that. Yes, Brookline Peter. Don't 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 forget those tall boys on game days. By the way, um, Jerry, uh, it is a it is a bye week. Obviously, 
you know, slow news and no news is good news uh, when it comes to the team right now. But, you know, I know that you were, you were, you were at the facility yesterday and they allowed access to the coaches to, uh, to talk, uh, kind of any, any highlights in there, anything, uh, out that you want to share before I start probing? <laughs> yeah, you probe all you want, Max, but I got, I got nothing. And good, uh, good morning, fellas. I got nothing scintillating for you on this bye week. I think, um, I think they've all learned to be very careful. Obviously, you know the deal. Uh, don't say too much. Um, you know, Matt Canada, as usual, had a nice crowd around him. Um, and, uh, you know, got to get better everywhere. Uh, likes the fact that, um, you know, you're seeing, we've seen some chunk plays. You know, Kenny Pickett's thrown three touchdowns. Uh, now, uh, all longer than than his longest last year, which was 31 yards. I think that is one of the quote positives, if you will, about the offense. Uh, uh, Matt Canada mentioned that. Um, you know, in the running game. Um, you know, I was talking to Pat Meyer for a little while, and again, baby steps with that, uh, only because the bar has been set so low. <laughs> but um, little by little, a little better. Uh, each game. Uh, beyond that, Max, I got nothing exciting for you <laughs> from the coaches. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that is that is okay, Jerry, because you know what's exciting? We get to talk to you. That's and right. I think that's important. That's right. We get to talk to you. Um, you know, as we take stock, and I kind of I, I kind of posed this question to SNR yesterday. Um, Kind of in your mind, as we as we take stock of the first five games of the season, what has been the best thing you think uh, this has done that you've enjoyed from this season? What's been, what's been a highlight um, in the first five games? That the offense has done, Max? Yes, yeah. Yeah, no, I'll, just it. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. Just, saying, just in general, yeah. overall yeah. team, overall team, yeah. yeah. Oh, the overall team, well, I'll start with the offense. I think, um, you know, I, I, the biggest thing, I think, is the amount of explosive plays. Uh, those three touchdowns, uh, Najee Harris with that 32-yarder, that spectacular individual effort. Um, you know, they have uh, a number of 20-yard plays, um, and we didn't see that last year. Uh, certainly not those long touchdowns. To me, that's been the biggest positive. Um, we, look, we know, we knew George Pickens can be a big play receiver. He has shown that. I would, I would like to see more consistency. But I don't think there's any question that's been the highlight of the offense. And the defense, I don't have a, a whole lot of positives per se. But, well, Obviously, the edge rushers. Let, 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 let me take that back. Uh, you know, I, I, I uh, looked at each position and did a little five-game grading system um, that will appear, I think, tomorrow online. Um, and I obviously, the edge rushers were the only unit that got an A, and I gave them an A+. Uh, I think the defensive line, uh, again, the bar was set so low after the first two games where they got gouged for all those yards and those two long runs. They've gotten a little bit better, but they had nowhere to go but up. Um, I think the inside linebackers, little by little, 
We're seeing some cohesion there. There seems to be a nice rotation. I think Juan Alexander has been the biggest surprise, not based on his old resume, but on the fact that, you know, he's with four teams in four years. What's that tell you? And yet he's been pretty darn good. He's been disruptive in the backfield. Uh, Cole Holcomb is now playing the way they envision, which is every down. And um, so I think the um, I think one of the positives is um, is the inside uh, the inside backers and uh, you know with for three new guys starting to develop some cohesion and starting to be uh, you know I'm hesitant to say impactful but certainly uh, uh, playing uh, a steady and making some significant contributions. Jerry, staying with that defense and, and, and linebacking core there, you know, we had some some questions earlier on the show, some people wondering about T.J. Watt, that finger injury uh, popping up this week. Any any concern in your mind or anything that you've heard that, that that's something serious or is it maybe just, you know what, it's a bye week, he's got some things going on with his hand, everybody's a little banged up at this point in the season? Yeah, Wes, you know, I hadn't bothered to explore it only because it was the bye week. You know, um, I don't think it's going to be a problem. I have not heard that it's going to be. But, again, I haven't delved into it to know for certain, uh, again, because it's been the bye. So, um, I, I, but I don't think it's anything that's going to affect him. It might affect his ability to catch the ball, like right at the line of scrimmage where he just swallows those passes. <laughs> but, um no, I think, um, uh, like I said, I don't think it's going to be problematic. But, again, I'll, ha- I'll have a better feel for that next week. Okay. All right. Uh, I got to ask this question, Gary. Um, Deontay Jensen, uh, return next week, probable, likely, will happen. Uh, he's been, He talked about it, I guess, to the media about it, and he will be available. Will he be available next week? Yeah, I expect them to be. I expect Pat Fryermuth to be back as well. I think the, the bye week uh, benefits uh, Fryermuth because he would not likely have played this week. I think they would have been a little cautious still um, uh, with his hamstring injury. But uh, he has indicated to me that he will be back. That kind of fits with the timetable uh, of his injury, which was two to three weeks. Um, so I'm expecting, I'm expecting Fryermuth back as well. Although after the way they've used him, uh, who's going to be able to tell that he's back in the lineup? <laughs> well, you know, with that, Jerry, maybe uh, along the same lines, and you know, I, I guess we'll stay specifically on the offensive side of the football here. If you could change one area, if you could pick one area of this offense to kind of take a big step forward or a clear-cut change of direction post-bye week, is it using the middle of the field more? Is it more success in the run game and some better performance for the offensive line? Is is maybe it just Kenny Pickett and, and his kind of uh, week-to-week progression? If you could pick just one area of this offense to really take a step forward starting next week in L.A., what do you think would be most pertinent? Well, um, I, uh, I don't think there's any question that um, the quarterback play has to be better, if not more consistent. The first three quarters, as opposed to the last quarter, uh, are pretty much night and day with Kenny Pickett, especially in the games they've won going back to last year. Um, I don't know whether he is a notorious slow starter, 
But when you look at him, and the offense is done, but he's the quarterback, he's the field general, so it starts with him. Um, and um, I just, he has to be better. Has he looked as skittish and uncertain, uh, unsure of himself as he did in the first couple games? No. Um, he hasn't thrown any picks in the last two games. Um, he's getting really, he's throwing the ball out of bounds to protect the football uh, like he did uh, in the second half of last year. I don't think there's any question he has to play better early. And obviously the offense in general, but him in particular, because he's the guy who runs it. So to me, that's the thing that has to get better, that has to change. Um, He has to be um, a little bit more sure of what he wants to do, not not lock on guys. And uh, look, you know, he's he's, – has he started a full season yet of 17 games? I think he's right at it now. Yes. So, um, you know, do I expect him to be able to go through the, his progressions like a seasoned veteran? No, I don't. I think that's unfair. But then I think the expectations placed on him at the beginning of the year uh, were unfair as well. They were his, his hype was hysteria, and I think it was over the top, and it was uh, kind of unfair to expect him to be um, uh, you know, Joe Burrow all of a sudden, although the old Joe Burrow, not the 2023 Joe Burrow. <laughs> so I think to me that's, that's the one item, the one aspect that has to get better. Oh, I, I think you're right. Jerry, um, defensively, uh, uh, this linebacking core had probably one of their best games of the season last week against the Ravens. I mean, where are you at with, linebackers are and kind of their rotation and uh, and the general feel for, for that unit on the field? Yeah, I, I like, um, like I said, I, I like what I've seen of Cole Holcomb. You know, he's an athletic player. He's very active on the field, um, you know, and he's playing the role that they envisioned, as I mentioned earlier, the three-down guy. He played all but five snaps, I think, the other day. Um, and, and, and I think, you know, they've used Quan Alexander and Elanda uh, Roberts in a rotation where, you know, um, Quan Alexander has been playing more snaps. Um, I like the physicality of Elanda Roberts, uh, same with Quan Alexander, but you know, uh, uh, Roberts is a thumper. I mean, he hits people. So I like the tone, uh, that he can set. Um, so I think, again, I think they're getting better little by little, those inside guys. And, um, you know, and, and look, Alex Highsmith is another guy, you know, obviously he doesn't have the sack numbers that TJ Watt does eight to two, but he's very good at setting the edge. He's very good at disrupting plays in the backfield. And that combo of those two guys on the outside flanking the inside guys, I don't think there's any question the inside linebacker play right now is better than what they uh, were getting uh, uh, last year. I love it. Jerry, I, Max, I think, that's, I think that's all we got, unless you got anything else. Yeah, no, you're good. Uh, I was a chance if you had something else. But, Jerry, we appreciate you – Swinging on by, um, I I picture you on a schooner right now. Uh, <laughs> 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 
or some other body of water. No, I picture him uh, on a, he's on a golf cart, baby, taking in that bye week. Right, well, that's but, right. Max, picture me on a golf cart, and you'll be pretty close to what you might be envisioning. <laughs> This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Check out Yin's Chat's regular season challenge each week. Answer Steelers trivia and make game day picks for a chance to win signed helmets, jerseys, footballs, or even a trip to the 2024 NFL draft. All you got to do is log into the Steelers mobile app now and play for a chance at this week's prize, a football that is signed by Jalen Warren himself. Ooh, that's a good prize. Timely prize as well, too. Today's Yin's Chat question here on Friday. Uh, who has the Steelers career record for a longest field goal? Chris Boswell or Jeff Reed? Answer now on the Steelers mobile app with Yin's Chat. Wesley Euler with you here. It is our bye week uh, best of edition of In the Locker Room. We'll have more for you. We'll hear from Bob Labriola. We'll hear from Jim Wexel on the other side. One hour in the books, another hour to go. You are in the locker room. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break. And consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. 